I thought you just took out loans. I didn't really think that like I could pay for my own college as a, a 19 year old. Um, so once I was able to realize that I could do that and I could work a lot of hours and save up a lot of money, it sort of became like, I sort of had a realization that, okay, I can actually pay for this as I go through it and not accrue debt. Welcome to Cap and Gown College Transition Stories, a podcast where we share the experiences and lessons learned from students going into their early years of college. I'm Peter Kerr, joined by Kristen Smith, and in this episode, we're going to talk money, specifically how to use it in college, paying for college, and maybe some of the weirdest scholarships you've ever heard of. Stick around. Hey, Kristen, how are you? Good. Excited to talk about those Benjamins today. How are you doing? <laughs> I am doing great. Uh, speaking of the monies, um, spending a lot of time in this episode talking about scholarships, paying for college, but thought it would be fun to talk about the money you get back when you're in college. And by that, I specifically mean sweet, sweet student discounts. So I know I had a few many years ago, but my understanding is they're probably a bit better now. You had a chance to look into some of these. Is that what you found? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It definitely beats the one discount I had available, which was for Domino's Pizza. <laughs> so uh, nothing against that. I did use it frequently. But uh, but it's nice to see that it really branches out to really all facets of, of life for, for anyone, especially college students. So, yeah, I think the, the best is the streaming services because I don't oh. really know too many people who don't use something, whether it's... Right. Uh, Netflix or Hulu, Spotify, even you could actually do a Spotify Hulu combo uh, oh, with cool. Showtime. So that's that's pretty awesome. Nice. And get like uh, I, three months free, you know, for that. And then there a lot of these. The streaming is you get months free, and then on top of that, like once it's monthly, a super discount, which is awesome. Nice. And then there's services, you know, so uh, whether it's transportation, so like Amtrak or Greyhound, things oh, like okay. that. Um, cell phones, insurance, um, even computers. So, mm. which is always, you know, everybody needs something right. for, for school. Uh, so, so that's, I, I found that pretty amazing just how many, how far the discounts travel. Um, even things and, and a lot of local stuff too, which I like. So gym memberships, food, keeping in line with that Domino's pizza. You know, I'm sure that's still an option for many at <laughs> the SUNY school I attended, uh, even like free checking at banks or, oh, okay. or events, you know, so like museums and all those things that now in, the aftertimes of the <laughs> pandemic, we uh, we can we can actually go out in public again, and right. and all those college students, you can all take advantage of some discounts. Nice. So, in these examples you shared, is it a matter of having your student ID with you and using that, or a college email address, something in, ending in .edu, for example, in order to redeem any of these? Yeah, it seems to vary. Uh, the it, but it, it it is almost exclusively one of those two. I think the email probably is the easiest, especially a lot of this stuff you're getting generating it online. So so it's just the most natural way to get it. Um, the weirdest one though is for insurance, car insurance. Uh, you have to show your grades, and, and <laughs> if you're doing well, then you get a discount. Uh, and so you have to actually show a transcript, which if I'm being honest, feels like a lot of work, <laughs> but, uh, but that's just me. It's probably why I never got that discount. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. 
Okay, awesome. So this is hopefully a, a good reminder for anyone in college right now. Check out these discounts if you haven't already. And for those of you looking to go to school, these are some perks you can uh, look forward to as well. So let's kick it over to the conversation we had uh, with our student panel just about college and finances. All right, excited to introduce our three student guests in this episode. Would you mind just introducing yourselves? Hi, my name is Addie, and I'm a rising second-year student at the University of Colorado School of Medicine, and I'm very excited to be here today. My name is Lindsay, and I'm a rising junior at the University of Tennessee. Um, my major is microbiology, and I'm so excited to talk about money in college with you guys today. I'm Kavisha. I'm a rising fourth year at University of Connecticut School of Med Medicine, um, and I can't wait to tell you all about finances. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for, for joining us. Um, we've had another episode where we, we talked about choosing your school, choosing major, and that part of the journey into college. Today, I wanted to focus a little bit on the finance part, right? So just the first question, and Addie, I'll start with you. When it came time, we were thinking about planning for college, going to college, and then the finances came around. How did you start thinking about that part of the equation? Yeah, so I think my biggest um, realization going from high school to undergrad and then even undergrad to med school is that um, a huge way to cut your finances um, or to majorly increase your finances is the school that you decide to attend, actually. So for me going into um, undergrad, my choices were really expensive private school that was my quote unquote dream school um, or stay in state. And um, sometimes the simplest answer <laughs> is the like one that's right in front of you. But I did decide to stay in state. I saved a ton of money. And I think for people who um, know that they might want to go into pre-med or pre-law or might have additional school and additional costs after undergrad. I think that's a big thing to consider um, because looking at um, schools, you might have your dream school that costs costs $70,000 a year more than your in-state school, but can you get to where you want to get to, law school, med school, what have you, hmm. from that in-state school? Probably, yeah. So um, that is my biggest, <laughs> I think, point of advice um, because looking back now, and I know when you're making that decision, it's super hard and you're like, do, will I regret this? Will I regret not going to my dream school? Wait, it has such a pretty name attached to it. Um, <laughs> but looking back now, and especially as somebody who has gone to further school and who knew they would be going into further school, uh, maybe if you're just planning on doing undergrad only, it'll be a different story. But looking back, um, I definitely do not regret that decision. I know that um, something that has helped me is every time I think, wow, what if I, like, what if, like all the what mm -hmm. ifs, what if I would have made better connections? What if I would have been happier? What if I would have had an awesome out of state experience? Um, is that like, no matter what your decision is, neither one will necessarily be better. They will both be different. So they'll be different in different ways. They'll be, you might've had um, different experiences that might've been more X, Y, or Z in one location, um, or even you know, more exciting in your in-state location. You might be surprised. I met the best friends I could have ever imagined in undergrad staying in state. So, and I had connections that I would not have had out of state um, that really helped me in my pre-med experience. So one thing that has helped me is no matter what your decision is, whether you do decide to um, maybe go with a more expensive school or a less expensive school is instead of thinking, wow, I could have saved so much money 
Um, or wow, I maybe I could have invested in myself and had all these different experiences. It's just that the grass is never actually greener. It just, mm. things wouldn't have necessarily been better if they would have just been different. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's tricky, right? Cause you, you can play the what if game anywhere you go. And, and sometimes that's, that's a tricky one to, to keep playing. So Lindsay, how about you? Yeah, so for me, it was sort of similar to Addie's experience. Um, I was really set on going out of state, and I got sort of like the realization that it just wasn't going to work. But from there, I looked into different options. So I kind of talked about this in the last episode I was in. I um, went through the academic common market, so that helped me save a lot of money. But I think um, just like doing your research and really starting to understand sort of every aspect to it. So whenever I came into college, I thought that the what everyone did was they just took out loans. Like mm. that was just normal. That's what my parents told me to do. Um, I ended up not wanting to do that. I wanted to graduate without any debt. Um, so I decided to do research and exploring other options, working, understanding the loans that accrue interest, the loans that don't accrue interest. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just do your research and really figure out the ways um, that you can save money and then also just understanding. It's a very um, hard concept to understand, I think. And I think I don't know why they have It's just really confusing. And so some people get a little intimidated by it. But um, I think once you start to really understand how the loans work or how you can pay or uh, just – Really doing your research, I think, is the biggest thing. Can I ask a, a follow-up question to that? So when you say do the research, is that Googling it? I'm just curious. What did you do to, to accomplish some of that research? Yeah. Um, so I would say the first thing is um, kind of budgeting and researching your school's, like, tuition. Um, and they, for some reason, the price online was different than what I ended up being charged. So maybe reaching out to fellow students and seeing what their average tuition is. Um, but then also a big thing I think is like federal loans. So I know unsubsidized loans, those actually accrue interest, whereas subsidized loans don't. So if you really do need to take out loans, if you know that, oh, unsubsidized loans accrue interest, don't take those out, whereas you can take out subsidized loans. So just learning those to help yourself in the future, Um, doing research on certain banks Hmm. and seeing what their interest rates are, Um, like looking into different scholarships. I think the concept of paying for college can be really intimidating. I was really scared. I wasn't really sure how to navigate it. Um, But once I set out a budget for myself, I felt like it was easier to tackle and I ended up being able to pay for it all myself. Um, I think when people go into college, they think it's going to be so expensive and that they just kind of take out the loans and not really worry about it until after you graduate. But I think that's probably one of the worst things you can do instead of just attacking it head on and kind of working through it as you go. Gotcha. I think Kavisha, uh, same question to you then, you know, what are the, some of the, what are some of the things that you did to start the, the process with finances? Yeah, so I think I did my process a little backwards because all I wanted to do was get out of state, and that was both undergrad and med school. And so I applied everywhere but my in-state school, except my parents said, we're only paying for your application if you apply. And so I did both times. And both times ended up at UConn because it just made the most sense financially. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
and, and to what Lindsay said, I wish I had done the research and kind of thought this through a little earlier on. Um, then I wouldn't have spent so much time on applications out of state for undergrad, knowing I wanted to go to med school after, mm. um, and maybe how expensive that would have been. But definitely the learning about the state school um, afterwards and seeing like how different out of state versus in state tuition is, and also how important it could be for students if they go to their in state school and they want to go into like medical school or law school after, because in state schools will kind of help you. Um, get into the state school if you did go to the state undergraduate institution. So if that's something that you're considering and the fees for undergraduate are all, like very different, but when you look at the difference in in-state versus out-of-state for graduate school, it's very mind blowing. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, I was able to stay at home because I went to medical school at UConn. Um, and so I have a lot less debt than some other peers. Um, so that's something to definitely consider for people who are thinking about pursuing something long-term. Um, one of the things that I did think about knowing wherever I would have went to school was working and what mm. I wanted to do once I was in school, because um, I knew that there's a lot of expenses once you're at school and whether that's socializing or just doing like, you know, school activities and like fees related to that. Um, I wanted to make sure that I had the funds to be able to participate in all the opportunities uh, without having to take more loans out or ask my parents. And so I applied to employment opportunities that were available the summer before um, and just kind of planned out what I wanted to do. So going in, I knew I wanted to become an RA or at least try to apply to be one because that covers you know, the cost of your housing um, starting your second year. So then you get free housing and you get paid on top of that. So it's a pretty decent <laughs> job to have if you're able to get it. Um, and so it's something you could start thinking about early on um, to kind of make sure you're building your resume, like making the connections that you need to be successful in that process. Um, and then just applying to like on-campus jobs where I could do work, but also still get, you know, make money while not being too busy. Um, and so I worked at like mostly desk jobs, but that definitely helped me like sustain my lifestyle while I was at college without having to go into more debt or get, borrow money. I feel like, Going into college, for me, that was one of those things I didn't know a lot or hadn't heard a lot about. But the on-campus jobs, you just mentioned you were looking at those. Lindsay or Addie, would you, did you also consider like the on-campus job opportunities there? Yes, so I would definitely um, agree and resonate with Kavisha there. I worked as a community assistant, which is one of those desk jobs Um like at the dorms. So there's resident assistant, there's also community assistant. So you don't um, live there, but I was live or I, it was my first year and at my undergrad, you had to live in the dorms your first year. So I would basically just take the elevator downstairs to the desk and sit there for four or eight hours and just be there if people like forgot their badges or something. And it's an on-campus job. They totally understand everyone's a student. So I would get to study um, during those hours. So I basically got paid to study and just nice. be available just in case. Um, so I think that was a wonderful way to, yeah, to have a job as a student where they understand your responsibilities as a student. Yeah, for me, I didn't, I haven't worked um, on campus. Um, I decided going into my freshman year of college that I wanted to work that summer um, as much as I could and save up as much my way of making money so that I could have opportunities to, you know, socialize and use money for that, but then also 
um, paid for college. So um, summer before my freshman year of college, I ended up, I was a lifeguard and I worked all day, every day. Um, I was averaging like 50 hours a week, but I ended up, (laughs) they needed yeah, they were short staff, so it was kind of helpful that I was able. And the funniest thing was everybody, we were kind of competitive. Like, we all wanted to work as much as we could. And so we were like, oh, you're working 50 hours? I'm working 60 hours this week. Oh, In retrospect, it was kind of a strange experience, but I was able to save up a lot of money, and it actually allowed me to go through my full first year of college without having to have a job. And I also was able to pay off um, my first year of college with that money. So, um, I think just being mindful and, um, kind of just working towards what you want and, uh, putting in the work, it definitely will allow you to reap some benefits. So it wasn't always fun having to work, but it definitely paid off. And I was able to go into my first year, a little less stressed, didn't have to focus on, um, getting anywhere on a certain time for a job, but able to just, just focus on school and kind of adjust to the new environment. Gotcha. Yeah, I feel like there's a there's a whole another podcast episode about you know the jobs I worked in college or or in the summer. Right, I think that's when a lot of us probably worked some of our least favorite jobs. I know I had a summer college job where I had to make sure every book in the library was in order. Right, so that those sorts of jobs that are just I want the money, so we'll do it, and that, and that's part of this whole equation, just like you all have said. Peter, I got to ask, what was your title? Oh. It was like a official book sorter. Organizer. Yeah, no, it was more like library desk worker. And guess what? This summer we're doing a project. Every four years we organize the library and you're lucky. This is your year kind of thing. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So that, it was, it was that. And, and it was um, scanning in old books to digitize them. So just sitting up with the scanner for hours, one page at a time. I mean, it was, but that's a college job, right? So, um, so, I mean, speaking of these these hard things, what was the scariest part to you, and what did what are some of the things you did to help manage that stress? Um, so, like Addie, I'll I'll come back to you on this one too. Yeah, um, I think for me, I um, similar to Lindsay and Kavisha worked a lot over the summer to save money so that I wouldn't have to work as much during the school year. So um, I would work not I would save a lot. So I wouldn't have to work as many hours during the school year, but one stressful part was balancing that. Um, so there was like, for instance, one semester where I was like a sophomore taking physics too. And I um, was a nanny all four years of undergrad. And I just happened that my nannying shift was on the same day as my physics exam. So I would nanny all the way up until the hour before my physics exam. So I wouldn't have that day to study. I would have to go straight to the physics exams, um, try to, try to be prepared the day before. Um, so things like that are stressful just, um, for anyone who is paying for college themselves. So, um, I would say one thing is I would just reiterate what Lindsay and Kabisha said about, um, using the summers or the summer before. And, um, in my case, the summers in between your years to save up as much money as you can. Um, I worked as a nanny and I also worked retail at the mall. (laughs) Um, and it is not fun, (laughs) um, while you're doing it necessarily. It's very, very busy, but it, um, it does pay off and it is, um, very nice to be able to graduate college with little, um, debt. 
Um, but yeah, I would just say for managing that stress, just getting ahead of it, saving money as much as you can before. If you do have to take out some loans, um, that's okay. You don't have to stress so much that um, you know, you're not enjoying yourself in college. It still should be an enjoyable experience, but just minimizing um, those loans as much as you can. Awesome. Kavisha, I'll, I'll go to you next. Yeah, so I think for me, because I wanted to go out of state, I had started looking at the numbers for out-of-state colleges. And so when you look at those numbers at first, it is daunting because as a high schooler, you've never seen $50,000 level <laughs> and have to pay that multiple times over. Um, so just like when you start researching and you look at these numbers as a whole, it was like, wow, I can never go to college or I'll be in debt forever. Um, but then when you actually break down what the cost is for each thing and what it's for, like in the tuition breakdown and like try to understand where you can get the aid from, it starts to be a little less daunting. So one of the things that I would definitely recommend is like talk to your parents early on about like their finances and like how that's going to play into your financial aid package because you're going to have to submit that. And so just be aware. Um, also for me, it was partly also, that's why I looked at jobs on campus um, because it allowed me to do more than one when I had the time and then do less if I didn't, but like I, if there was an on-campus job, I feel like they're more understanding about it. Um, and so I took like the tuition and I looked at what my parents were going to give me, what I could get for aid, the school's financial aid. Once I'd narrowed down my top choices, I started calling the financial aid offices hmm. and started like looking at what different um, options they had or what type of different like awards they gave. A lot of schools usually tell will tell you like a general idea of what kind of aid you'll get. So um, then that makes it a little less daunting there because now you have a smaller number to deal with. Um, and then applying to scholarships. So I was able to cut down so much of my costs from scholarships that I applied to um, afterwards. And had I known that, I probably would have applied to some more because I realized that a lot of people don't apply to scholarships thinking they won't get it or mm. it's a lot of work. But it's definitely worth it because a lot of people don't apply. And so I've gotten two or three. Not three, I believe it was three in high school that I just got because nobody else applied to it. Wow. Oh, wow. And so it didn't even matter the quality of the essays that I'd written. It was really just nobody else applied, so you win. Um, and others I did actually win, but I ended up having so much extra scholarship money afterwards when I ended up going to UConn that they had to give me a refund my first semester. What? And then I ended up getting to use that money. So um, That is crazy. And there's, yeah, it was actually very good. It felt really good to have all the extra money. Um, but I realized that they don't have those same scholarship opportunities much later. Like in medical school, there's not as many to apply to. Whereas when you're going into college as a high schooler or even once you're in college, like there's so many opportunities. And had I continued applying to more, I felt like I would have had more money saved up even later. Um, so apply if you have the time or like start early so that you can schedule enough time to make those applications. So that's, that's, awesome. that's interesting oh, too, that, so you, you were applying or you're suggesting you can apply even when you're already in school that you can, can just continue to get additional scholarships throughout. Yeah. So there's scholarships by some schools have it by school or like there's still state scholarships or even national ones that are for each year or just apply to students in undergraduate in general. Um, and so I did apply to a few of them, but I didn't really take the time or, you know, put an effort to apply to as many of them as I could. Um, but I actually ended up saving so much money from those scholarships because everything else was already covered. Um, so then having that money as a little buffer when I started medical school was very helpful. 
And then after starting medical school, I realized there is no real scholarships to apply to once you're here. So if I had done that in undergrad more so, I would have had more money saved up. I didn't realize they would actually like refund you. Yeah. That's that's exciting. That I just assumed, well, it's covered. No money for you, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, also, Lindsay, how about you? I would say the scariest part about paying for college for me was that um, my siblings before me, um, I'm the youngest, they pulled out loans. So sort of how I was saying earlier, I just felt like you just took out loans. That was normal. Um, and I've always sort of been a little frugal and um, I just didn't want to, I couldn't imagine myself being $50,000 in debt. Um, but I didn't really feel like there was a way out of that. I thought that that was just what you did. Um, and I felt like the people around me weren't very educated on how it worked. Um, my parents hadn't saved up money uh, like a lot of my friends' parents had. So I was sort of kind of on my own, I felt like. Um, and I think to combat that, sort of how I was mentioning earlier, I really just dug into it and looked up just to f see how it all worked. And um, I think an idea that was new for me was that you could actually just pay your way through. It sounds silly, but I thought you just took out loans. I didn't really think that like I could pay for my own college as a 19-year-old. Um, so once I was able to realize that I could do that and I could work a lot of hours and save up a lot of money, it sort of became like I sort of had a realization that, okay, I can actually pay for this as I go through it and not accrue debt. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me was I remember sitting at my kitchen table one night, like writing out a budget for all four years of my college, how much I needed at the beginning of each semester, how I was going to get that. If I wasn't able to get that, what what I what I was going to do? So, am I going to take out a federal loan? What, what federal loan am I going to take out? What's the difference between the subsidized and the unsubsidized loans? Uh, because it does really matter, and I think that language is so it's just very intimidating hearing people talk about stuff like that. I didn't know what they even meant, and so um, but once I was really able to understand it and understand how it all works, I felt like I had a better grasp on how I was going to. Um, pay for it and how I would eventually be able to graduate with um, little to no debt. I think another thing Kavisha mentioned was scholarships. I remember being in high school and I would see scholarships for $500, $1,000. And I was like, that's pocket change. Like, why am I going to apply to that? I want like a $10,000 scholarship. And so I would apply to these scholarships because I thought they were silly. I thought like, I'm not going to do all that work for $500. But now that I'm actually paying for it and understanding how much $500 really is. And, oh, if I would have maybe applied for that and hypothetically I already have everything covered with my other scholarships, that $500 could be my, like, change in my pocket. So I just remember thinking, um, like, these little scholarships aren't really, not like, they don't really mean much. And I remember people saying, like, apply, they'll build up over time. But I never, I was too naive. So now that I actually pay for it and that money comes out of my wallet, I realize how important the little scholarships are. And so I would say the biggest thing are apply for those little scholarships as well. So build a budget, um, educate yourself on how money works. It isn't always fun having to learn, but it definitely is helpful. I mean, I'd say that it has helped me as a person going into other aspects of my life. I feel like I'm a lot better with my money. Um, and I know I feel more prepared for bigger expenses 
Um, so yeah, for me, it was just learning and um, taking the time to explore different options. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that answer for, for two reasons, because I think, and, and Kabisha, you, you talked about these scholarships and they add up, but it's totally reasonable to look at your tuition costs and say, well, that's $50,000. Let me start out with this $500 scholarship. <laughs> All I need left is $49,500. We're almost there. <laughs> right. And so that mindset totally makes sense. But when it does start to add up and, and to your point, if it's pocket change, at least let's make it pocket change in my pocket versus yeah. someone, someone else's pocket. Um, and the last thing I just want to touch on before we jump to this uh, last question is so much of the fear, I think sometimes too, comes from that unknown. Like, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know these terms subsidized versus unsubsidized. Once you start to dig in and say, oh, at least I understand these things now, it gets a little less scary. And I think that's what you were you were getting at as well. Um, so last, last, uh, last question for now, Lindsay, you had started to mention how all that prep work has actually put you in a better place now as far as managing finances go. So that's sort of my last question. And Lindsay, I'll come back to you. Is there any best practices now that you're in college that you have seen work for you as far as managing finances go that maybe is different from high school or previously? Yeah. So I would say the biggest thing for me and sort of what I touched on in the previous question was just really understanding um, the value of the money um, I think when you are in high school, you aren't really paying for much and um, you aren't really having to have that responsibility. But now that I have been in a position where I am having to sort of pay for college and really understanding where this money is going and how much it takes to earn it, I would say I definitely um, value it more. I think also I just feel more prepared when it comes to other aspects. So I pay for my apartment now and I feel like I just have a better grasp on money and how it works. Um, and I think I definitely had a limited view before college, um, sort of felt like you had to always take out loans or I just feel like overall I was able to really see the value of money, but then also that you can like actually do it. So you really can pay off your college and you can graduate debt free. You don't have to take out loans. I would say that's the biggest thing. I think you're right. The first time, and I think this is true the rest of your life too, right? The first time you get an apartment, the first time you buy a house, the first time you buy a car, you're exposed to a new level of money managing and it kind of makes everything else like, okay, this isn't quite as scary. I've done the, I've done this one big thing now. So I, I think that's exactly what, uh, if you, that, that's what you're getting at. I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, Kavisha, how about you? So I think for me, uh that was definitely a learning curve, like managing my money. Um, because it always ended up, I felt like even when I did have money coming in from work and stuff, I wasn't managing it well initially, especially as a freshman, you go in, you're with your friends and you want to go out and then your bank account is zero. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned, I ended up at opening a new bank account at my campus and then had a checking and a savings account. So if I'm every paycheck, I would put in $20 into the savings or, you know, however I decided to manage it based on everything else that's going on. Um, but then that helped me have a buffer um, because I think the one thing you're not prepared for when you're in college is there's always a rainy day and now you're the adult and sometimes you can't 
rely on your parents or there's really like no other backup option except yourself. So you have to prepare for that because your parents can't help you for some reason or you don't have any more loan money. You're stranded, for example, with a car. <laughs> um, if your car breaks down for some reason and you have it on campus, you need to get like otherwise you're carless now or whatever that expense is. And sometimes some things are going to be like time sensitive. Like you only have mm-hmm. to pay it by a certain due date or you can't participate in this. And so just having that like savings and learning to budget that and then knowing that like maybe you can't order insomnia cookies every other day because <laughs> even though they're really good, you probably should be saving that money for other things. Um, and so that was a learning curve, but something nobody really tells you that you have to do or kind of plan for in high school because when there's a rainy day, you have your parents or, you know. Gotcha. So okay, cool. And then, yeah, no, no it's, it's 100% true. And I, I have been in that situation where, oh, it's, yeah, we're getting wings. I'll just, oh, zero. Well, because we're not getting wings tonight. And how about some string cheese, everyone? <laughs> but I, how about and, these, and these are such important skills for life, too. Like, I still, yes. frankly, struggle. I won't say how much older I am than everybody, but like, I, I still very much struggle with this stuff even today with kids. So, so I think I, I wish I had thought like Lindsay in co- before college and plan things out um, or considered some more scholarships and everything. I, it's so, I wish I got this kind of um, understanding and support uh, before I, I started applying to school. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. Like the skills you develop now for this, they're not just going to go away. Yeah. Right. After, once you get into college, after college, I mean, this, this stuff carries, carries on with you, which is great. Um, so, so Addie, uh, I'll come to you for last answer here. Um, to me, I think planning ahead is probably the best thing you can do um, for yourself. And even if you're listening to this podcast going into college, that's already one step higher than I was <laughs> preparing for finances um, going into college. I think that um, I continued applying to scholarships even as a, a sophomore, junior, senior in college, wishing that I had applied to more as a freshman and mm-hmm. realizing that the most scholarships that you will be eligible for are when you're going into your freshman year. So really not pigeonholing yourself like I did. Um, I didn't apply to that many scholarships going into college and I wish I had applied to more. But um, one thing I will say about that is just stay in contact with your school guidance counselors, stay in contact with the financial aid officers or financial aid office at your um, top choice universities, whatever those may be, and never feel like you're bothering anyone. (laughs) They are there to help and... um, are always so friendly so definitely stay in contact with them see what more what other scholarships you can apply to in addition to just googling and really just get as many in as you can your freshman year you can still continue to apply to more later but um, definitely maximize your chances um, and I think that planning ahead that was a lesson I learned in undergrad that I definitely going into med school like a year before the med school application process I was looking researching um, scholarships and writing them down, keeping them in an Excel document for when I was ready to apply. And I applied to so many. I treated them as, I gave them as much attention and as much seriousness as my medical school application itself. And I thought of it as like, even though it was, it was a very time consuming, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of essays. Some of them you can reuse some like paragraphs, some wording, um, not all of them, but, um, it was a lot of effort that at the end of the day pays off because, I thought of it as no matter how much, how many hours I'm spending writing these essays, like it could be hours on hours. But at the end of the day, if I even get one or two of these 
um, scholarships, even if they're the smaller ones, then if I divide that by the number of hours I spent, I'm getting an hourly wage that's higher than any job I could get right now. Um, so to me, planning ahead, and that's one lesson I learned from between high school and undergrad that I really used between undergrad and med school. Um, so even if the lesson was learned a little late, better late than never. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great frame of mind for it too, I think, yeah. that you mentioned. That it might be hours, but $500 divided by three hours is a number that's bigger than if you were just working a job. <laughs> um, so absolutely. So ending on that note, uh, on the scholarship side of things, uh, we'll come back. I think we have a few more minutes. Come back and play a quick pop quiz, true-false trivia game about some scholarships we looked up. That to, You've all mentioned this. There's a lot of them out there, uh, and we found some weird ones. So <laughs> if cool with you guys, we'll come back in just a moment, and we'll play this game. Interested in more free information about paying for college? Check out captest.com slash paying for college for the complete guide to FAFSA and financial aid. That's captest.com slash paying for college. All right, we are back. And so in the last couple minutes here, I thought it would be fun to play a quick trivia game about some of the ridiculous scholarships that are out there. Uh, and I say ridiculous, not because it's always good to get money for a school, but ridiculous because they're either named a little strangely or they're just very, very specific. So I did this as a true or false quiz. So I'm each of you will get two questions. We'll go around the horn twice. Uh, I'm gonna, going to read you the scholarship, and I just want to hear from you whether or not you think it is true or false. Does this scholarship actually exist, or is it one that I just made up on the fly? <laughs> uh, not on the fly, but I made up for, for this game. So, Addy, I'm going to start with you. And the first scholarship we have is called the Asparagus Club Scholarship. And this is $2,000 a year to students earning a degree in a business, food management, or relevant courses leading to a career in independent retail grocery industry. The Asparagus Club Scholarship. True or false? Wow, I'm going to have to guess that that's a true scholarship just because I want it to be a true one so badly. <laughs> you are correct. That is, in fact, a true scholarship. So $2,000. Um, I believe you have to write an essay or just apply. Uh, but yeah, if you're going into, uh, I guess, the grocery industry uh, or studying relevant courses, the Asparagus Club would like to sponsor a scholarship for you. So, um, I wish I could be inducted into that without having to. You, know, like, I, you just want to be a member of the asparagus club. I want to be a member of the asparagus club really badly. <laughs> I'm also just curious as to why you had the entire grocery industry and you picked asparagus right. as like your representative. Like, you didn't even have to go vegetable, but you went vegetable. And then of those, you picked asparagus. Yeah. So, um, anywho, Kavisha, uh, this next one is called the Maple Manipulator a one-time $3,000 scholarship to prospective engineering students attending a Vermont state school. Applicants participate in a contest using pancakes and waffles to divert a simulated dam break of syrup using engineering principles and delicious batter. Yeah, it sounds like some things people in Vermont would do. This is actually false. This is one of, <laughs> this is one of, the, one of the very few that... Uh, I just had fun writing up. Uh, but all of these sound weird enough that hopefully it's, it's hard to tell the, the fake ones from the real ones. So, Lindsay, I'm going to come to you for um, the next this next one, which is the Tall Clubs International Student Scholarship. So this is $1,000 to students entering their first year of college who are tall. And you have to find a local tall club member to sponsor you. And by the way, they define tall as six foot two for men and five foot ten for women. 
I'm going to say that it is a real scholarship, but I'm kind of sad because I would not be able to enter it. This, yeah, this is in fact a real scholarship. Uh, so if you are just tall, so a lot of people think like, I have to, yeah, you know, it's not so much like an essay. It, it's just, I guess we're going to pay you a thousand dollars for that, but you do have to find a local tall club member to sponsor you, which might actually be the hardest part. Cause I don't know how to do that. Um, you just, you just look for, <laughs> just walk around looking. You, you look tall. Do you know Can about I the join club? tall club and then sponsor you? Right. I mean, I don't know. I also don't know if it's the kind of thing where like you just don't talk about tall club. If it's like a, <laughs> like a fight club thing, but tall. Um, anywho. Uh, all right, Addy, I'm going to come back to you for this next one. Uh, and this one's called the Great Charade Scholarship. So applicants can earn a $500 scholarship by pantomiming their educational journey to college. Videos submitted must be less than three minutes and accompanied by a written screenplay that explains your movements and the story elements that they portray. That's really specific. Uh, I'm just going to have to say that's false because you. <laughs> I feel like there were so many specifics in there. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep. You saw right through that one. That is false. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, Peter, when you created these, did the ones that are fake, did you Google them after just to confirm that they weren't, in fact, real? <laughs> you know what? I didn't. Um, so it, there's probably someone out there listening to, listening to this going, wait a minute. I got that scholarship, you know. Um, so that, that might, there might be variations with different names. I have no idea. Um, but the real ones were so also weirdly specific. So speaking of... Kavisha, let me come to you for this next one. This one is the Flying Musicians Association solo program. So the Flying Musicians Network teamed with music directors and teachers in flight schools and instructors to offer a scholarship to, to learn to fly. So high school juniors and seniors have to be nominated by the music director, and then the Flying Musicians Association will sponsor a student's first solo flight and flight training. Um... It's true. It is true. <laughs> Very specific. If you are a musician who wants to fly, there is a scholarship for you. All right. And then, Lindsay, final question, or final scholarship, the zombie apocalypse scholarship. So write out your plans on how to survive a zombie apocalypse, and the zombie apocalypse scholarship committee might award you $2,000. Um, false. It sounds kind of funny. This one's actually true. There is a zombie apocalypse scholarship committee, and they're going to give you $2,000 if you have the winning essay. That's a good amount. Which is, I think actually, it's tied with the Asparagus Club for most uh, offered it in, in this quiz. Um, but that's also, uh, I wasn't even keeping track of scores, and that's totally fine. But to the listener, hopefully it gives you a little taste as well of the broad, broad variety of scholarships so when we were talking before about just look up scholarships, you guys were probably looking up pretty normal ones too, right? Not like Asparagus Club or Zombie Apocalypse. Like there's a whole extra layer to these. So so with that, I know we're, we're just at time. So I just want to say again, a, um, a big thanks to, to each of you. This was a lot of fun. And I think you just had some really interesting and insightful experiences with the financial side of approaching college. And um, hopefully the listener, listener enjoyed this as much as uh, Kristen and I did. So thank you all so much. Thank you for yeah. listening. that's our episode thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode check out our others 
and be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For Kristen, I'm Peter. We'll see you next time.